1: Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello, welcome back to Fright School. Hey, Joe.
2: Hi, Joshua.
1: <laughs> oh. I'm so, so, so tired of this, uh, this, (laughs) of this period. Yes. Gestures broadly.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, my, uh, Jimmy Kins, um, recommended that, uh, we should, uh, we should play that, uh, My Chemical Romance song, I'm Not Okay, as our, (laughs) as our new theme song.
1: Uh, yes, um. I don't know what the rights would be. I don't know. That might be. A um, they also might not care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure their lawyers would. Maybe they wouldn't care, but their lawyers yeah, would. Lawyers would. Yeah, <laughs> um, Which is who's usually behind that kind of uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's very, um, yeah, I'm definitely starting to really feel, I mean, we're how long in six months? Just about, yeah, just age. about six months into this, and I'm on. I'm really now really starting to feel like the effects of it. Like, I really miss people. Um, you know, obviously, the holidays are coming, the most important one ever, uh, always, uh, Halloween, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, we're not gonna have a big party, you know, and the holidays are gonna be coming. I'm not, I'm probably not gonna see anybody. I don't know, mm-hmm. it's just starting to wear on me. Not to not to start off on like a sad note, but actually this is this whole uh, part's going to be sad because there's lots of sad news to report. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because the you know the pandemic carries on, and we've got Fauci saying this could go to 2022. Yay, that's exciting. Um, and uh, Candyman, the new reboot, got bumped indefinitely. Wasn't even given a new date. It's just indefinitely put on hold. Till 2021 at some point um, So yeah, it's just bad news all around Tragedy Tragedy mm-hmm. wherever you look
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: So how's your day going? Um, well, tragedy everywhere you look <laughs> We're going to get a Scream 5 And Nev Campbell is confirmed being in it So there's an up note uh, It sure. might be you know, 2030 before we get it um, the Books of Blood, you know, Clive Barker's uh, mm-hmm. has, uh, It's like collections of stories that have been adapted by Hulu That teaser came out, so that's exciting, that starts October 5th um, Nurse Ratchet with Sarah Paulson starts this Friday September, what is that, 18th or something, mm-hmm. 18th or mm-hmm. 19th uh, You know, so there are things to look forward to To lay on your couch and stare into the abyss um, while, while it plays in the background
2: the sequel to The Babysitter on Netflix is out. Yes,
1: that is out now. Very exciting. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I'm definitely, you know, I it kind of sucks. I've been having such a hard time watching new stuff. Like, I really think I'm in that, like, anxiety watch group, you know, where it's like, I don't really want to watch new stuff. It's I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so it's like, I really am, like, watching stuff I've already seen, you know. Um I'm trying. Like, we're watching that Raised by Wolves, which I don't even know how to feel about. Um, such a strange show. Uh, Lovecraft Country, although I am behind. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vow, the docu docuseries, although wow, I am Wow, you're
2: behind. watching some dark stuff, like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am.
1: Which sometimes is helpful, because it helps me put, like, perspective uh, mm-hmm. with things, you know. But at the same time, we are all entitled to... You know, it's not the Olympics of suffering, of, of, of stress or anxiety or whatever, you know, everybody, you know, like, I I don't think it's healthy to, to compare, you know, our struggles with other people, um, you know, mm-hmm. it can that can you know make it worse because then you're more likely to kind of push down your own anxiety and your own issues because they don't seem as bad as others. Um, and that isn't why I watch that, anyways. I watch that out of pure like what the fuckery, you know, about uh, mm-hmm. wow, especially because it's just such a bizarre. That whole story is bizarre with that Nexium cult. It's just bizarre.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Anyway, so you told me that you've been because uh, you've been quarantining differently now, right? You've been actually spending time. You guys are, oh, like, yeah. in a bubble now. You're doing a bubble.
2: We're doing a little bubble. Um, I'm coming down to the end of my uh, two-week quarantine time, um, which has been really nice because, you know, we haven't uh, spent time like this together for five Month. months. Yeah. Um, so it's been really nice, um, you know, and it's, a, it's fairly it's it's fairly banal, but again, like you know it feels very normal, and for five months of like not feeling normal, that's been really great um yeah, so you know we i, I make dinner and brunch, and you know <laughs> we we've been working from home uh together the last week um so you know we're on either side of the we're on opposite ends of the of the dining room table, staring at each other. Um, and yeah, it's been good. You know, we made dinner. I made a meatloaf. Thank you. New York times cooking section. Yeah. I made, I made meatloaf and, um, we made dinner together and it was nice. Cause it was just, you, you needed know. the New York times to help you make a meatloaf. I have the app. So it's just like, I might as well, you know, mine them for, uh, for stuff. Yeah. Was there something special
1: about it? Was there, you know, like,
2: um, I, I mean, I kind of, the thing about, it's so weird because, like, I follow recipes, but then I also, like, don't follow recipes. Like, oh, okay. I – it was, like, you need, like, three loaves of white sandwich bread. And I didn't have that, but I had King's Hawaiian, so I made it with King's Hawaiian bread oh. instead. I bet that made it nice,
1: kind of Oh, yeah.
2: It was very nice. It was very on the sweet side. And the – I thought about maybe doing, like, a bacon lattice, but, you know, we yeah. decided not to. And, um – all yeah, right. it was good. I adjusted the ratio for the meats. So instead of, I don't know, like I don't know who pe- these New York Times people think they are, but like they their recipe calls for a pound of veal. So like a pound of beef, a pound of ch- uh, pork, and a pound of veal. I'm just thinking, like, what the hell? Like <laughs> <laughs> that just seems so strange to like and veal. And I'm like, okay, well, no, I'm not going to trust the veal from the grocery store. Nor am I going to eat veal to begin with. So. We just did pork and beef.
1: Yum! Yeah. yeah, sounds good. No, I only is just because it's funny because like meatloaf is such a, like a thing that I grew up with that I always hated because it was just so I don't know. I mean, I guess it's basically a hamburger just in mm-hmm. a you know a loaf form, but for you know they always put um, lots of onions in it when I was growing up, and I hate mm-hmm. that, so I I never liked meatloaf. Um, but also, there's a very famous episode of Roseanne where she teaches a class, like the home ec class, how to make meatloaf. You know, and it's like meat and some cornflakes, and you put it in the <laughs> oven. Like, you know, it's just like this most simple recipe. It's like, what on earth is the New York Times done to yeah. meatloaf? You know, well, like, of course, have- that makes sense. Three different meats, you know, fresh-grown herbs or something, you know. And and it's <laughs> totally go out that, to your but... garden in the Hamptons
2: and grab an onion or two. <laughs> it's, it's totally that, though, Joshua, because it's like they – and it's not – like, they have just the recipe that just says meatloaf, and then they have, like, you know, if you want to, like – Eat Bill Blas's meatloaf, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to eat Bill Blas's meatloaf. I don't like his jeans. Like, I can't, you know. Um, or like, it's I always it fun to see like those kinds of things that they have there. But, huh. um, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was tasty. Um, uh, he made uh, he roasted asparagus and uh, mash and made some mashed potatoes, and then I did a mushroom gravy. Like, it was it was yeah. a nice little to do. We watched Disney movies. Yeah. It's been nice. That is really enjoying like this time. There's some normalcy, but yeah. you know, lamenting, lamenting, um, you know, how, how it's been nice to two of us, but like we do miss coming over and you know, being with you and playing cards. Ugh,
1: I know, same, uh, yeah, it sucks. And people like hit you up because it's like they're you know, like they we want to do stuff, but it's like. You know, you think like, yeah, let's plan something. And then you read another story about a small gathering erupting into, you know, hundreds of cases of COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we do. You try to stay positive and you try to, you know, do it. But it's just, you know, it's 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 just been weighing on me a little bit more. So I think no, it's, you I, know, obviously just approaching the holidays. I'm thinking about this continuing. It's just like, ugh, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean, you, I think where you are right now is where, um, is where I started to be like maybe a month ago. Yeah. Cause like I was just, it was just starting to really hit me and just, um, and just like really, I mean, not even the fact that it had been going on. It's just, like, the I was just starting to get really exhausted from not being able to, you know, be with people and especially yeah. my love and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's...
1: Yeah, and I think it'll pass. You know what I mean? It's like you just got to have these dips, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not going to encourage me to do it. Like, I'm not going out to restaurants. I'm not going to not be wearing my mask. You know, I mean, I'm going to, you know, still, like, I'm not suicidal. You <laughs> know, It's like I don't, mm-hmm. you know... Um, even if it's not that serious or is that serious, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, with this, the COVID thing, you know, but I, uh, you know, I think it's all right to just be like, man, this is, it is, it's tough, you know, especially on, you know, on, you know a lot of us that want to, you know, that are very out, you know, out, you know, very, very social, you know, I miss the band, Mm -hmm. I miss playing music. That's been really tough. And now I'm kind of depressed with Facebook's whole thing about, you know, they're gonna, I should have been taking advantage of it, but I've been too kind of down. I haven't been playing, you know, live stream shows. And now Facebook is basically going to ban those. So it's like, you know, it's just a lot of frustrations this week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Again, we have things to look forward to. You know, there's going to be some fun new shows, more more new distractions. Um, Also, uh, I'm very excited because I got, um, uh, I think a year or so ago, I talked about on the show uh, this book, uh, Death, a a Graveside Companion, which was edited by Joanna Ebenstein uh, based on work from the Richard Harris Art Collection, just tons of different, you know, depictions of death in art and, you know, sort of our relationship with uh, death You know, as humans and, you know, in art. And she's putting out a new book uh, called Anatomica. Anatomica. The Exquisite and Unsettling Art of Human Anatomy. And there's going to be a a symposium. So the author, Joanna Ebenstein, she has a blog called Morbid Anatomy. Mm -hmm. uh, Surveying the inter... Interstices... (laughs) Of art and medicine, death and culture. Uh, so obviously right up my alley. And there's going to be a full day symposium to celebrate the re- the release of the book. It's going to be Saturday, September 26th from 12 to 5.30 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so whatever time that is here. Oh, man, I'm going to have to get up early that Saturday. Um <laughs> Uh, but they've got all kinds of people that are going to be giving these different talks, uh, about, uh, anatomy and, you know, throughout history, how we've drawn and sketched the human body, how our understanding of it has changed over the years. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so I did want to, did want to throw that out. Plus the, the book looks really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. It has some really interesting drawings and really interesting, uh, you know, from the samples that they've put out of just human how how we have shaped and changed uh, mm-hmm. with science and you know biology and you know medicine how we've developed um, a better understanding of the body and probably how there's still a lot of stuff we don't understand. Uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> You're like new. No.
2: <laughs> it's a book Joshua how, can, how excited can I get about a book But it's
1: pictures yeah. It's like hundreds of pictures So it's okay um, Okay that makes it a little bit better <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few essays But you can skip them You could just look <laughs> at the pictures I actually have some really cool anatomy books So I'm excited mm-hmm. to add that one uh, to, to my collection uh, which you can't tell, but I cleaned up the library. I've been reorganizing it again. Oh my gosh, it's getting out of hand. I decided all the vampire books needed their own section, uh, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I started cleaning things up. Uh, I'll tell you, it's just an ever-evolving thing.
2: Uh, I love it. Yeah, but you can't tell. I can't tell. It looks the same. (laughs) And I need
1: to add more books because of our obviously today we're we're uh, joined again in the second half of this episode by um, Heather Petricelli to discuss Dead Alive, uh, Brain Dead, Peter Jackson film, and uh, she mentioned a couple of books I don't own. So obviously, so of course you own them. Well, no, not yet, but I'm I'm going to. I've got to add them to the, the shelves, so I had to find a place where I'm going to put them. In my ever-growing collection of, of horror and, and and
2: scary studies, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a reference
1: section. It's a nice um, reference library.
2: <laughs> I do want to uh, give a little shout-out to because, Heather, um, when we recorded this, it was prior to um, the, you know, huge conflagration in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to just give a shout out to, um, I checked in with her a little bit, uh, yesterday, so they're doing okay, um, you know, uh, as best it can be, but we're just giving a, you know, thinking good thoughts for everybody that's up there trying, hopefully they're safe and as safe as possible. And, you know, again, this is, it's just nature reflecting back to us, (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you're right.
1: Jeez, we haven't even, like, touched on that. Yeah, I mean, there there are, there's so much, there's just so much happening right now. It's just a very mm-hmm. stressful, intense time on a lot of fronts. And, um, you know, people are really surviving. I mean, it speaks to our resiliency as as, as a species, you know, that we're, mm-hmm. you know, people are are doing their best under the circumstances, you know. And even if they're not doing their best, that's fine. You know, but just, mm-hmm. just living right now, you know, and getting through the day is um, is an accomplishment, <laughs> I
2: think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know,
1: so, you know, try, I, I don't know. It's like I want to be positive, but I also want to, I don't know, just <laughs> accept stuff.
2: I don't know. I'm sorry, Joe, that I'm trying.
1: I'm trying to stay up. No, you're just, fine. Like, you're you're fine. It,
2: I, I am... Um, <laughs> Joshua, I expect, I, you know, I, I, I expect nothing less. I mean, (laughs) I mean, and I say that with all honesty, because it's just like, you know, we, it's, it, it's, it's like you can put your head in the sand, you know, or we can just kind of like, this is what's going on. And we could just kind of accept that it's, this is what's happening. And, you know, because in absence of like, in absence of people, in absence of, uh, people trying to care for each other, you know, we can, we have to take care of ourselves and the people around us. And, and I say that like just being, knowing that like the people, the people out there who are like, this is a hoax, not wearing masks, that sort of thing is, you know, a very vocal minority for the most part. But, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I also know that there's people like, you know, they're, they're doing, I I can't fault anybody for, I I, I think I mentioned this a a few months ago, but like, you know, I, I just couldn't imagine what it would be like for people to like, feel comfortable getting away, like going places and not even just like restaurants, but like getting out of town or whatever. And now I'm just kind of like, you know what, if people feel that that's okay, like if they can be with relative assuredness that, you know, they can and have ability to quarantine in, in after that, then, you know, you guess I, you just got to do what you got to do at this point. Yeah. No, I'm trying not to shame anybody. I mean,
1: I get the outrage I get from people who are upset. Like I, you know, as always, uh, you know, just because of the kind of person I am, I see the various sides. I see everybody's rage, everybody's, you know, um, anxiety, you know, or not like, you know, I get it, you know, I, I do understand. So it's like, I'm trying to be come from a place of not shaming. I mean, I want people to be considerate and think of each other and think of themselves and be mindful, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, people, people have to be, they're responsible for their choices.
2: You know, exactly. Like I, I don't have to
1: live that life. Cause I am able to stay quarantined and stay, you know, in, in the situation I'm in.
2: Exactly. 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 And I, you know, for me, like, I know I'll never, I, I know that, like, I don't even know when I'll be comfortable sitting at a restaurant ever again. But I know that, like, you know, that hasn't impeded my ability to, like, order out and, you know, yeah, reheat food when I come home and still support and at the very least support local businesses. At that
1: point. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, oh. definitely. Definitely. Um, did you do anything fun this week that you want to share? Anything that you know? Um, so we can end on an up note before we get yeah. into our uh, exciting dead alive conversation. <laughs>
2: um, I'm trying to think of we. You know, it's been it's been just um, it's been nice to like have uh, just really dull nights and and I shouldn't say dull because you know just the fact that we're together has has been such a blessing and really Mm -hmm. worthwhile. But, you know, that normalization, that like routine. Exactly. Like, (laughs) you know, we, we, um, I made one of those like fortune teller cootie catcher things. Um, (laughs) and this is not, that's not the highlight of my week. Um, but because we, we got to a point where we were, um, we were still, we were, it was difficult for us to kind of decide what to watch. And so um, I made one of these fortune teller cookie catcher things and I put like, you know, okay, like, well, if you pick this, it's like, we'll pick something on Disney plus or pick something on Amazon or (laughs) on Netflix. And it was just a way to kind of, you know, break it up a little bit and leave it to fate. I like Um, it. That's fun. That's a good idea,
1: actually. Because, you know it's such first world problems that we have everything, you know, that it's like, exactly. Oh, I can't choose. I can't, which streaming service, what movie should I watch? What TV show? I just can't.
2: Let's just turn I know. it on. And, it's, and then just like, you know, <laughs> we've been fortunate enough that like, um, you know, we had, we, there, you know, we've just, we're just very fortunate. So, yeah. you know, we're just, just enjoying the time together and nice.
1: And well, I think that's
2: great. Yeah. And eventually I'll go back to, um, I'll go back to being with my parents. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure he needs a break from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, but yeah, and then we'll do this again. And I kind of, I, I'm going to be back with my parents soon because I want to come back here just in time for like Halloween because I plan to do my own like little version of Fright School with him. Cool. Um, so we'll be, be watching stuff.
1: Yay. All right. Well, I like it. I think that's uh I think that's a good place to I'm actually going to take a week off in October. Um and I'm thinking about just having like cuz I can't do gore fest this year. Um I've been thinking about doing like some live streaming or something, mm-hmm. you know, of like with people of like things that are on Netflix or on Amazon Prime where we can like watch stuff together, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of have that, you know, togetherness for the for the for Halloween. Mm-hmm. But um anyways, well, that sounds nice. It'll like be, it. the
2: theme is Gorefest, isolation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gorefest, pandemic.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, all right, Joe, well, um, I think that's a good place to take a quick break, and we will be back with Heather Petricelli to talk about Dead Alive.
2: Woo. Meanwhile, in New Jersey.
1: So, Marissa,
0: what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and We hard. can point out the triangle boobs, talk about
2: the blood splatter, and, ugh, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze?
0: My gaze at the male's.
2: From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of
0: horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app.
1: All right. Welcome back. Uh, We are so excited to have back with us Heather Petricelli to discuss this uh, Peter Jackson masterpiece. New Zealand. I love this. Splat stick. Uh, that's a great uh, way to describe a Zombie comedy film. Uh, it was released under the title Brain Dead, but uh, originally, but in the United States, known as Dead Alive. We've all seen kind of the famous uh, poster with the eyeball in the mouth. Um, but uh, yeah, so very interesting horror film. We've got white people, white peopling uh, you know doing doing stupid things and bringing zombification to the masses um, we 're just gonna we 're just going dive in joe we 'll start as we always do with uh with your thoughts
2: well um i the whole time i 'm watching i 'm like, what am I watching It was a similar it had similar reaction to this. Uh, watching, um, oh my god! What was the one we watched with Brennan? What was that one called, Joshua? Oh, from Beyond. From Beyond. And then I yeah. swear that it, I swear that Lionel was the same actor from From Beyond. <laughs> and then he had like I haven't seen this film yet, but you know we go to enough cons that I, I know I know I loosely am aware of it. And then like he brings out the needle, and I was like, am I also watching Reanimator? Like I I felt like there was a lot of that going on in there. Cause he's similar. Um, but I mean, overall it's fun. It's a, it's a definitely a fun romp. Uh, but like I was, <laughs> I was just like really glad to have already eaten, um, as we're watching it. And, um, it's a lot of close ups cause like I watched it with like my laptop on my stomach and it was like even more insane. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like it was just like wow, extreme close up, Immerse and then it. it was, I was very immersed in it. Um, this, this film also has uh, like my second favorite kill of all in it, and I'll go into that in a little bit. Uh, but yes, so I, I mean, I enjoyed it, it was fun. Um, it was definitely just like a, a giant mind fuck the entire time, um, but yes. True, And, then, and true. then of course, you know, our good friends, the like Romany people of, uh, <laughs> of apparently Wellington, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the
1: Spanish Romany, like know. the Spanish, like, you know,
2: Spanish Romany, Wellington, New Zealand. I was, I half expected, um, the flying, uh, the, the flying Concords, uh, the fly of the Concords to come in, uh, in, in this thing. <laughs> it was, it was very New Zealand, um. It was very white New Zealand, I should say, because you know there was there there didn't look like there were many indigenous people um, in this. But yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really curious to hear more about uh, Heather's connection to it, though.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. I saw, so
1: I had found I had read this um, interview with you on morbidlybeautiful.com, um, which we will have linked in the. Uh, in the show notes here, should people want to, uh, examine it. Uh, but you list. So there's like one of those questions, like that typical question of like, what are your favorite, like horror movies? And I love like the way that you kind of answer. Cause it's like, there are films that permanently scarred me after seeing them as a child. And then in parentheses says the exorcist films that blew my mind as an adult martyrs. And then films that I revisit often dead alive. <laughs> and uh, that's what we're here to, to discuss it. Cause I'm like, Oh, the exorcist, Oh, martyrs, Suspiria, 28, the brighter, these like, kind of, I think in a way, highbrow horror films, you know, and then dead alive is in, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Cause I haven't seen this movie in years, you know, it's one of those. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I've never seen it. So unedited, because <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I saw it on television, you know, in the nineties all cut up. Uh, so it was very like, Oh man, we're in it deep. So let's talk about your love of it. Why why this film when we go of all the horror that you've watched and discussed
0: <laughs> uh, well, Dead Alive. I, I brought Dead Alive specifically because when Joe and I were having our conversation doing the interview, it came out in the interview that Joe enjoyed horror comedies and that Joe I thought in my head enjoyed gore. On revisiting that, Joe said the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> But
2: yeah, I can go, it can go either way, but yeah.
0: Yes. And I get that now, but in my head, and I just said, I usually don't try to interject myself. Like, but have you seen Dead Alive? And Joe said, no. And so when we stopped recording, I said, you need to see Dead Alive. (laughs) And that's why I picked it, I think, because I just thought, well, Joe should see Dead Alive. And for me, when I was in high school, I saw Meet the Feebles and man, like Heidi, like, I love meet the feebles. And so then I found a bootleg copy of bad taste and I was like, Oh my God, who is this guy? I love this guy. And then dead alive was coming out and I went and saw it, um, had its premiere here. And I just, I belly laughed through the whole thing. I still belly laughed through the whole thing. And it's so audacious in its core. And I love, love, love practical effects. Mm-hmm. And it's before CGI took over. And Richard Taylor is a effects genius and, you know, went on to win lots of Oscars for Lord of the Rings. So I think that's just like, it's a movie that when I was a young person, I loved, I've seen it many times in the movie theater and I've seen it a number of times with almost exclusively queer audiences. And it's just one of my favorite memories of life. Like I just love seeing dead alive with a queer audience.
2: Oh, See, and I, I firmly believe that it's like if anyone, if anyone is going to show like one of the truest like things you can do to care for another person is to recommend to them something like a television show or a movie that is very close to you, in the hopes that they also you know uh, in, in love it as much as you do, and so like. I actually, I was like, man, I really do love Heather. Like, this, this was like, I was like, all, all horror films, all queer films ever. And it was like, you got to watch Dead Alive. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. And because the thing is, like, I, it took me a little bit because the, I, I had to decide, because I, I didn't read anything about it. I was just, let me just go into it. And it took me maybe like 30 minutes in to decide that they're being humorous. Because I just thought they were being, um, like, it, I thought it was just that dry humor of, like, that dry Commonwealth humor. <laughs> and um, and I thought that, like, okay, maybe they're just, and then I was like, no, 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 this is being, this is going to be something that's, like, this is a choice. Um, and I was just, like, watching this, and I'm just like... You know, it, it's so funny because like I, I'm, I'm used to at this point, you know, Joshua saying like, oh, I'll I put this film on for a rainy day. You know, this is my this is my rainy day film and it's the witch and it's you know, like I this is my you know the, I'm used to like, you know, every day kind of, you know, I, I put the Gilmore Girls on in Frasier and, you know, people put on Dead Alive or the Witch and I'm just like, OK, that's I, I totally get it. But like watching this film, I was just kind of, I didn't think I, I had to remind myself this was 1992, like this was released in 92 because it was definitely before, like this was before its time in my mind, like this film felt very much before its time, not just in practical effects, but like in, um, but in just like how it was shot, and lighting and everything. It was just, it was very impressive in that way too. Like from a filmmaking standpoint, it was also very impressive, but it did make me like, love you more. (laughs) Cause I'm like, (laughs) I was like, yeah, all right. Like I, I, I like, I love this I love that this is I love that this is your One of the Those like favorite Types of film Like my, I tell people To watch uh, Mrs. Doubtfire All the time I don't know what That says about me But like <laughs> Or maybe Maybe I know exactly What that says about me I
0: think, Yeah it says about We deal with our trauma Differently
2: Yeah exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> we went to New Zealand in 2016, and I'm just gonna say, maybe I made go on a tour with me to all of the dead alive, alive sites in Wellington.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> so that is amazing. Is we, that we, house? Does that house exist somewhere?
0: Oh yeah, I can send you a photo of it. I found <sighs> it.
2: Oh okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, we went. We really cool.
0: Yeah, we went to. Um, we I found the house. I found, we went to the botanical gardens where the scene with the baby takes place. We went to the um, cemetery to find, because actually it's interesting, the film actually caused a, like there was a lawsuit against Wignett Pictures, because when I kick ass for the Lord, you can see like one tombstone with a real name, Bradley. So Bradley's family sued. They didn't win this, but it set into motion a new law in New Zealand, so you can't. It's a privacy violation to show names on tombstones. But we went and violated it and found Bradley. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then my favorite place was the, um, it was the, oh God, what are they called? The the, the Pentacles, the, the, the opening scene of the film. I think they're called, mm-hmm. Pentacles? Yeah, I think they're called the Pentacles. And it was one of the craziest places I've ever been. It's like a really eerie, when you're in there in those, whatever those formations are, it's a really eerie place. So that's how much I love Dead Alive.
1: That wow. is amazing. Um, I love, yeah, definitely. If you have pictures, send them to us. We oh, I totally
0: them. will. I'll totally yeah. send you pictures.
1: Um, so real quick for our dear listener who is no, you know, maybe have, has seen this a thousand times or never at all. I should have done this, you know, at the beginning of this <laughs> A quick synopsis of the film. <laughs> Uh, overprotective mother Vera Cosgrove, played here by Elizabeth Moody, spying on her grown son Lionel Timothy Baum. Is it Baum? Is that how you say that? Um, has an E at the end, so I imagine. As he visits the zoo with the lovely Paquita, Diana Pinal there. Sorry, I butchered that. Is accidentally bitten by the fearsome Sumatran rat monkey. When the bite turns his beloved mother into a zombie, Lionel tries to keep her locked safely in the basement. But her repeated escapes turn most of the neighbors into the Walking Dead, who then crash a. High society party, which I uh, have to disagree with that, but uh, anyways, uh, high society party thrown by Lionel's boorish uncle Les, played here by Ian Watkins. So that, kind of, yeah, that's basically uh, what happens. Uh, but <laughs> does not at all start to scratch the surface <laughs> for what happens in this in this. Uh, film
0: <laughs> i just also like it's a film i'm just gonna like nerd out in this film because i do just love it so much yeah it's also a film that has so many layers so you have the mm-hmm. layers of peter jackson who's clearly a film fan clearly a horror fan so you have all these little nuggets throughout the film they're nods to films past just the fact that it's skull island and king kong and then we know that he went on to he had a childhood yeah. fascination and went on to make mm-hmm not a great version of king yeah. kong because this is set um, in the
1: 50s right it's 57
0: I, yeah. which is important yeah. because yes. it's the last year that there was a celebration of empire day and i do think that this movie is an entire like island colony tale about yes uh, so i yeah. think it's important i i don't think it's a mistake or an accident that it's like 57
1: and no not yeah i wrote down some stuff about that so i'm very excited you bring that up but go ahead
0: well it's awesome it's just like it's a like splat stick period piece what (laughs) it's like so many things and then we can talk about all kinds of horror theory using this film because you have affect theory you have abject theory you have the monstrous feminine we can keep talking and talking about this stuff so i'll stop now
1: No, absolutely, and that's exactly that's what we do here. You know, take a film and you know talk about what it what it could possibly mean. Uh, Yeah, I I love that it's set in the fifties too because it feels like those kind of fifties monster movies. Only this is what like mothers like at that time thought these movies were like. (laughs) it's like you know that they were this bloody and gory and gross when they really they didn't, couldn't even touch this like with the <laughs> levels of 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 horror that is happening uh so yeah i definitely i really enjoyed it for that overall like that feeling of like this is like a drive in movie in the 50s like just something that you know it's just very transgressive <laughs> for the time um but only in the 90s um so yeah i definitely yeah i wrote some stuff down i wrote the thing like obviously it's got that it, it, there's so much um what do you want to say? Lots of tropes in this, like, you know, researcher slash scientist slash whatever, you know, going into the unknown place and taking something from it that's dangerous, but, you know, he can control it, only obviously not. Uh, That's why I was saying white people, white peopling. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you do have that, like, overbearing mother... Uh, you know, so it kind of, it, King Kong. I wrote down King Kong, I wrote down Psycho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wrote down The Wall, <laughs> <laughs> um, Pink Floyd's The Wall, because it just kind of reminded me, especially at the end with that like monstrous mother figure, just kind of like, I'm like, wow, there's a lot <laughs> happening here. I'm very curious about Peter Jackson's relationship with his mother. <laughs> um, I love the way the rat monkey thing looks, it reminded me of the Grand High Witch Rat and the Witches. Yep. Like, it's so like creepy um yeah so let's just kind of get in get into that talking about yeah what is this what is this movie about (laughs) (laughs) so you brought up empire day so let's explore that a little bit more because i you know well so
0: the monstrous feminine comes from a scholar named barbara creed who i think she's australian but uh, maybe she's not um i know she teaches at uh in australia in melbourne i believe And she has written an article, I don't know, I can't remember when it came out, but sometime between when the movie came out and well over a decade ago. Um, She wrote a whole piece about how Peter Jackson's films are constantly dealing with themes of New Zealand as an island colony and trying to flip the script. So it's 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 complicated because he renders invisible the indigenous people, but to deal with the bullshit of the actual colonizers and what's left behind and so he instead of having the savage you know native as happens a lot mm-hmm. in these stories he's trying to show that it's actually the british people who are the picture of respectability who are actually the savage and you know barbaric ones and you know starting off with the zoo you know the the zoo official who has his papers to come you know take this you know revered rat monkey from uh an island off of or you know skull island uh so I think it's interesting to, to think about it in that way. So there's like, there's the bigger picture of like, and when, when Barbara is talking about Peter Jackson, she is talking specifically about bad taste, uh, brain dead there, you know, dead alive here and heavenly creatures as stories that show this split between the, you know, lots of like, I'm using lots of scare quotes, air quotes here, but the motherland, the, col- the colonizer versus the colony. Um, So I, and I specifically also, because of our interview, Joe, I wanted to have your take on it as someone from a colonized island. (laughs) So Um,
2: so one thing that, and, and one thing that I thought was really, was very subtle and I don't know if this is intentional or what have you, but one thing that I thought was really interesting was when uh, Vera's like Anytime that Vera was talking to Lionel this entire time, like Lionel has a very, has a very Kiwi accent, like he's a very New Zealand accent. But when Vera is talking, she has this like affected English, like highborn English accent. It's not, un- it's unless that she's, um, she's really upset and then it kind of comes out. The, the Kiwi accent comes out a little bit. And I'm just thinking, like, I wonder if that was intentional or, or if that was j- because she's almost like, you know, I don't want to be... And then I had this thought where I was like, well, you know, I mean, you can't be... You can't be too highfalutin because I know that, like, people who... People who are brought to the to that area of the world were not usually necessarily the best, you know, were not... They weren't sending their best. So <laughs> So it's like, why all of that so like i thought that that was really interesting and and then in the beginning when he's showing his permit i was just i that's when i was like is this funny and i'm like because that's really funny to me that you're just showing these indigenous people your permit um and it just kind of reminds me of like you know the like it's like just leave well enough alone white man like if you had just left well enough alone like we we know how to do things here just leave it alone but no let's just take it and then he ends up getting um you know he gets his you know it's too late for everybody else but you know he, he'll get his um which is really fascinating because it's like it, there are no it's like very noticeably absent to me. Like there were no like you know the indigenous people of um, even Paquita like Paquita's you know um, Latinx Romani, like which was just like I don't know how <laughs> like just like her story of getting there to to New Zealand is 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 something I want to explore but the absence of uh, the absence of uh, indigenous faces, but at the same time, like that's, I, I didn't even put that together until you said it. Like the idea like, oh, the absence, but like these people are the monsters um, is really interesting and fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, there's this one moment where, you know, and that's the beauty of film. This is one of the reasons I love film. It's like, was that was that specific slippage of, dialect for vera purposeful or was an accidental doesn't matter actually in some ways because it exists mm-hmm. and i love when vera is like after she's you know been bitten and she's like it's the W-L-W-L. and i just always think that that means it's like i forget actually for all the times i've seen it cuz all i ever hear is that it's basically for the white ladies who lunch <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that it is built into it. So one thing that there are many, many cuts of this film, because this film being one of the goriest films ever created, like I think there was something like close to 80 gallons of blood used in this film and it's still banned in countries today, which to me is so fucking ridiculous, but.
1: It felt terrible not... for the actor. Sometimes it's so, it must've been so sticky and gross and <laughs> yeah. smelly. Ugh. Yeah. Go
0: ahead. I think it's in, well, I know that it's the UK version, but I think it's the UK and Commonwealth versions where the film opens with a whole, like there's a more direct Queen Elizabeth, like Queen Elizabeth opens the film and it's her in some parade or some, some Commonwealthy empire crap that I don't know. Hmm. But I think that with that being cut from you know, the U.S. Dead Alive version. And I do think that the U.S. 97-minute cut is Peter Jackson's favorite cut of the film. It takes away some more of the explicit trying to tell the story of, like, basically British exploiter colony. But what do we do with the colonies where... Actually, I wrote, actually I wrote down a quote. Um, I wrote down a quote that Barbara Creed had said, because I thought it was interesting. Um, In colonies like New Zealand, the desire of occupants to remain attached to the mother country is equaled only by the determination of the home country to not let go. And Vera is that, that's her role in this film. And that's why she's the main monster of, that switches. So all of that British civilization, they're they're the barbaric monsters. So I think it's a very interesting take on it. I do think there's you know some problematic stuff with the depictions of the indigenous people in the beginning of the film that definitely just has not does not age well. It always made me a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, it's I always believed in the intention behind it. So I'm curious more about your guys' thoughts about that.
1: No, I think, yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. I was gonna say my my third note was like zombie as racist slash colonizer. Um, and then my the note just a, a little bit farther down is it's interesting um, the juxtaposition of this quote unquote love scene between Lionel and is it Paquita Paquita um, yeah um, with as the mother is changing more and more into this like monstrous zombie I thought was a very you know I was like it just seemed like per like this perfect of like that um, that pull you know towards like you know between like what you're saying, you know, of of, of staying, I don't want to say it because it's like, I don't want to say like being a zombie is normal, but it's like, (laughs) but it's her anger. It's that, it's that anger and that uncomfortableness with the other and her son, like, you know, becoming involved with this, you know, woman is like kind of growing in her and then literally, you know, she's becoming this monster while he's like finding this love, you know? I just think that, you know, kind of goes to that sort of point about the film kind of talking about colonize colonization racism england did all of that same kind of bullshit like i don't know exactly how to put it either because i don't really and i wish that i knew more because here in america like obviously i grew up in america i'm well aware of our our history for the most part as much of it has been lied to (laughs) (laughs) to me about um you know so kind of unpacking so it's easy to kind of contextualize films within american racism you know, and, and systems of racism here in America, you know, for American horror. So I don't know as much about New Zealand, you know, or, or exactly, you know, the, uh, but I imagine it's similar, you know, I imagine that colonization, you know, of, of indigenous people and kind of pushing them out that there is that the, there's a similar tension. So that's kind of why I like immediately, that was one of the first things I wrote down about it. Cause I just felt like, Oh, obviously we're having a conversation about, you know, dangerous fucking white people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's exact I think that's exactly right in so many ways. And yeah, I I do know I, I like you, I was raised in the US and my perspectives are US perspectives. I do know that when we went to New Zealand, we had went to Australia first and traveled around for a number of weeks, then we went to New Zealand, and traveled around for a number of weeks. And I can tell you that the felt like the work that the New Zealanders have done over the decades to try to, I don't even know the right words to use them. I'm mean, going to use the words like reparations because they actually have some laws to try to do reparations to the Maori people. Mm-hmm. But that history is like as horrific as it is anywhere where a bunch of yeah. white colonizers went in. But I think that they have worked really hard to try to reintegrate in Maori culture language they have done some reparations it's not perfect there's loads and loads of shit that needs still to be done there's plenty of racism but it felt night and day compared to dealing with australians and the aboriginal peoples there so Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel like there's something to a film you know like dead alive now is it's an old film i mean it makes me feel old actually saying that (laughs) right right relatively
1: speaking yeah
0: yeah and I think there's something to the fact that clearly there was a younger generation of New Zealanders trying to figure out we have this, like we are an Island colony and we have this colonization history, but what, where can we move forward? And I think that's why it's so important that Piquita is a Spanish Roma, her, and her family are Roma people. So I think it's all very interesting. And that's just like the one thing that most people don't even see in that film. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. Thing, the thing people actually see is the constant gore, which goes more into affect and, and abject theory. But like, I think it's something I've always actually just kind of thought about and I appreciate your jobson.
2: would you? F- oh, oh sorry, I, I think, I think, Joshua, and I, you're going to say the same thing. Would you sp- explain a little bit about, uh, uh, about those theories? Um Because I don't know if I'm familiar with with those. For for our listener, for the listener, (laughs) for the listener,
0: uh, I think the easiest way to break it down is uh, affect theory. You know, with an A, affect is horror is an is for horror to be effective, it is affective. It elicits a physical response. Just like you said, Joe, you were glad you did you say you were glad you weren't eating or are you glad you just hadn't eaten
2: I, i'm glad that I had like i i'm glad that I had already eaten because if i hadn't I definitely wouldn't i still wouldn't have for a while
0: yeah, and I had my partner watch it with me, and I was eating watermelon. she was like, "How are you eating that fucking watermelon right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm like I love this stuff this is great uh, so that 's affect theory, which is more just people who uh, study the People who are in neurocinematics are studying the actual neurological responses that horror elicits.
1: And those biological. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's
0: okay. like okay. horror palliation. You know, uh, your yeah. hair standing on end. Uh, abject theory is most often attributed to uh, Julia Kristeva, and abject, and she deals, I think, more with literature. So she's not actually dealing with horror films, but it's constantly applied to horror film because it because it works almost in any world. Abject theory is about liminal spaces of subject and object. And when things are not where they're supposed to be, like, like pus, shit, blood, guts, those are all abject because you're kind of drawn to them because they're part of you. But when they're outside of you, they're not part of you. And it's got this weird horror and attraction all wrapped into one. And I mean, again, dead alive, how much... (laughs) sorry I'm laughing because I saw that like the puss scene is one I love watching having people watch that film for the first time when he's like what no pudding and then the pudding comes out and then the puss goes into it and he eats it that might be the grossest scene in the whole movie to me because it always makes me think oh but like that's a perfect example of abject
2: theory see I I didn't mind it I watch pimple (laughs) popping videos on YouTube oh my god so so, like I was like I was like (laughs) I, I, it was gross to me because he ate it, but you know it was also gross because like he he was such an asshole. I was just like, yeah, eat that pus, you you piece of shit. Like it's, um, <laughs> but like I, okay. So thank thank you by the way for for those explanations, and I feel like it's. This is why I love horror. Like this is, why, this is why, like we, it's like this is why I love horror. This is why I just love. Um, I love rhetorical criticism to begin with because it's like you, if you really want to nerd out, like we can spend like literally hours talking about like about like I mean just talking about her accent alone like that's I sometimes I wonder like I watched Gran Torino like I watched Grand Torino in theaters and I was in the middle of my degree program and I was like with my family and I was like do you like how like his confession at the end was like the screen door and it was like to you know because he didn't give a true confession and now he's giving it and there's the screen and all the and they were like it was just a movie. <laughs> like no <laughs> There's more to it. There's layers and layers. <laughs> um, I wanted to b- before we move forward, I want to go back a little bit to what you said about like the representations of like those indigenous people in the beginning oh, yeah yes. and and I feel like with um I feel like my my feeling with this particular film and and Peter Jackson and all of that is that like some and how I approach kind of like representations of like the cultural or racial other in other films is I always kind of think about like, is this a representation of what the people in the film believe this person, these people to be. So it's like, am I um, so like in dead alive, it's like, do these people believe that like the, they're liberating this animal for like the betterment of like civilized society. And so they're taking away from these savages who use it for dark magic, whatever, whatever. And so that's where you get that. And like, it's because it's a commentary more on the world and the, the world that's being built than it, then it is like, I am I believe that these, uh, the filmmaker, the auteur is like, I believe that these people are savages. This is how I, I want to build it. As opposed to say like a film, like, um, and I'm only saying this because I made, <laughs> I made my boyfriend watch this last night. Um, Jungle to Jungle, Disney's Jungle to Jungle from the, from from uh, the late '90s with Tim Allen. Uh, see Joshua, Joshua. This is what Joshua fucking lives for when I say shit like this. Um, this is amazing. This is so amazing. Jungle to Jungle, Dead Alive. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I cannot wait to see where. Well, in Jungle to in Jungle to Jungle, he is Tim Allen realizes that his ex wife, who is a doctor at this like Amazonian tribe um, has a son. And so, you know, she's been raising this like adolescent white boy in a, in a, in a tribe. And so in that regard, it's just like, oh, you're, this is the filmmaker, even in a narrative sense, trying to be like a documentary, like trying to present, you know, things as they are and not necessarily like trying to comment. Whereas like the dead alive world is heightened. It's a commentary. It's, it's splatstick. It's, it's all of these things. It's it's camp. It, you know, it's yeah. all of it's all of these things. As opposed, but like you're trying to play it really straight. You know, you know, for better or worse, really straight in jungle to jungle, and then that's where the problematic things like come in. You know, and it's just like you are trying to be respectful, but in trying to be respectful, you're also like tokenizing. You're also exploiting um, the people these people as well, othering them in a way that is even grosser than like the, f- like the less than five minutes that those people in dead alive get to.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's in the way I always kind of reconciled it in my head was that in the end, that is absolutely a narrative about the colonial exploiters becoming the zombies, which is also a take on the fact that what did you have to do as a human to be an ex- like a colonial exploiter in the first place? I mean, talking mm-hmm. about, like real people, like there's a, there's a, lack of humanity that is somehow needed that has a zombie like effect to it and then the fact that like we can get into like especially since you're studying psychology we can get into the freudian aspects of all of this stuff too and people i'm sure have written pages and pages on the freudian ending of the film but to me that that ending is really about releasing themselves from the shackles of their you know empire day british colony past and mm-hmm. moving forward into their you know di- more diverse you know with her with his uh, spanish romany family <laughs> new <laughs> in laws
2: mystical uh, <laughs> family
0: i mean that's so awesome too because like when you when you if you were just to take So Barbara Creed said all that stuff about Peter Jackson because she's written about Peter Jackson. But Barbara Creed is probably most famous in horror for her monstrous feminine theory. And she has seven points of the monstrous feminine, which at its base is essentially uh, these are taking complex theories and making them one sentences. But the main point is that when the woman is the monster, it creates a different fear in people, specifically men, than when the male is the monster. Right. And so she has four different archetypes of the monstrous feminine. I think all seven exist in this film. <laughs> and I think that's also amazing that like, I can't name loads of films where all seven exist in one film, so.
1: Um, oh my gosh, so much was said, like <laughs> just there. <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, wait, what do I want to talk about first? Cause I love that, that like that, um, you know, talking about like what we have to do to like, like dehumanize ourselves. Cause I've been talking about that in the context, of a lot of this, like the black lives matter movement and sort of this conversation about like the poor are humans. If I have to explain this to you, if I have to explain that black people are real and, and are as complicated and are as, you know, as loving and as an intense a person as you are, if I, you know, if i explain that women and their bodies deserve, you know, a t- like, I don't know. How to explain that to you, I don't know how to make you see that that's that that is a true case so the idea like that is a zombie like that sort of no empathy I have you know um I have absolved myself of empathy and humanity in order to subjugate people for my own pleasure my own comfort my own privilege you know like that that is monstrous you know and I've had this conversation with you know, Lots of close people to me as we do family blood, you know, where it's like, I cannot make you understand how inhuman you're being, and you don't see it. And the fact that you don't see it means we just we cannot have this conversation, you know, so I love that so much in context of this in context of colonization. And yeah, the monstrous feminine, certainly that's why it's like I wrote the wall down, which that like that whole Album, yes, it's about, you know, the album and the film, yes, it's about the price of fame. And it's about, you know, what, you know, this poor rich white man and, you know, his struggles. But it's also about the overbearing mother. And it's about, you know, his inability to like form healthy relationships with women or with, you know, partners. And you don't use, I saw that reflected in here. And then very literally in the end, when she, you know, the mother bursts through the end is this monstrous, enormous, like puppet. You know, it just felt very much like the wall, which, you know, I, I feel it speaks to its, and then again, psycho with those complicated relationships with, you know, with mother and okay. and ill child. Um you know so yeah i definitely think there's a lot to be unpacked here within the monstrous feminine do you think that um Paquita, like is she playing some sort of role in that too or or is it more of her is that her grandmother or mother who's like telling the fortune like are you including them within the in those contexts like yeah, i'm trying to I, see how all the different ways the monstrous feminine plays
0: yeah i think that her i always assumed it was her grandmother but she actually I'm trying to remember. I mean, I think she actually makes reference and I feel like now I'm thinking she says mother, but I'm pretty sure it's her grandmother. Um, I feel like she plays the witch role in mm-hmm. the film as, you know, I mean, and that is all the coding, right? Like the father figure makes a kind of undercurrent reference to them moving all the time. And then the grandmother has her, you know, Aleister Crowley deck of tarot cards. Like, <laughs> right. So. Um,
2: oh my gosh. Um, no I, I i yeah i was like oh wow this is really this is really this is a dark tarot deck <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think that I, I i'm trying to remember uh i went to the peter was it in the peter jackson museum there's a museum that i went to uh i'm trying to remember where i learned this but i i know that the deck was mostly intact what they made two or three two or three cards were created for the film that aren't actually in the actual tarot deck. I don't know mm-hmm. why I'm telling you that. Um, no, it's okay.
1: Just serve the story. You know what I mean? That it was, but, you know, obviously they're, they got to um, do their story stuff.
0: They got to make up some stuff here.
1: Right. So I think
0: that the coding is in there for that's That's how we know. Cause I don't think it's ever, it's never explicitly said that they're uh, Roma people, right? So that's coding. And she is witch-like in her, you know, she's just missing her, you know, crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there would be like a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, but I think that, that I think it's necessary for that family to be the family, because in the end, when you pay attention to the narrative, that is the only reason that Lionel survives. Like he survives because of the wisdom of that. It's hard on a podcast for people to see the ethnic family, right. but that is why he survives, and they' are people who are clearly outsiders to that land. They are neither Maori people nor are they the European colonizers they are people who have been subjugated in many countries throughout Europe for centuries mm-hmm.
2: and they are you know and because of that they are outsiders to the colon like you know in the homeland of the colonizers they are the outsiders
0: exactly um,
2: even though oddly enough by moving to new zealand they are also settlers <laughs> they're also <laughs> okay. settler colonizers as well um they're re- they're like refugees you know, in the yeah, context yeah. Of, of
1: being pushed out of other colonized mm-hmm. countries. But yeah, let's just <laughs>
0: pretend that they're they're span like I mean they're coded as Spanish Roma people family uh, Spanish Roma family. Maybe they were running from the like you know basically the dictatorship of Franco or something.
1: Yeah, because we're saying this is fifty seven. So yeah, there's like historical context there that we could be. Assuming yeah. about the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, n- I'm not saying I know exactly, but I'm like, obviously, there's something, you know, there there can be conversation there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah, it's like your friend. There's someone out there going to be like, Jesus Christ, it's just a, like, orgy of gore. Enjoy it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, like, that's the beauty of, the beauty, I mean, like, larger the beauty of rhetorical criticism, but, like, the beauty of this show, the beauty of horror in general, is that, like, it's, it, if you go if you just go a little deeper, you know, if you just go a little bit deeper, you can like does it stand as itself just like a gore film? Yes, it does. But like if you wanna have you can get more enjoyment of it, there it can you can it same both things can be true. This can be like a very um scathing indictment of setter colonialism, and then it can also be just like this huge gore fest comedy. Um to kind of bring it to a little bit, uh, to kind of go back to the horror and not be, um, and not be um, as like you know fancy in our in our thinking about it, <laughs> way of thinking of things. Um, I mentioned that this is my second favorite kill is in this um, oh, yes. is in this, and my second favorite kill. My I think did I say my first favorite kill, Joshua was. Um, in Thirteen Ghosts, the guy who gets killed with the sliding glass door—oh, yeah,
1: split in half. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so
2: yeah, yeah. that was the first favorite kill for those keeping score at home. My second favorite kill is—I um, think it's one of the party goers. It's the blonde woman in the red dress, and then the one of the hoodlum guys—the the, one of the hoodlum zombies um, punches the greasers. Her.
1: You mean one I of those
2: greasers? in wikipedia it had them as hoodlum i went oh, okay okay
1: <laughs> but I, mean, I wrote
2: down greasers with a yes. question mark and an excla- exclamation point i'm like what the fuck is going on so um, go but to- like the greaser people um he like punches her through the back of her head and the fist comes out of her mouth and i was like yes this it also like this is a great kill. I mean, like right underneath that would be the baby coming out of the woman, like the woman with the glasses, her face. Oh Lord. (laughs) Which was terrifying. But, but again, like I think that particular kill, just like, because it was so it like it, you knew like, you could see that it was a um, a fake. Like, it was a practical effect. You could see it was um, um, an effect. But, like, it happened so quickly that, like, I was like, oh, shit, did he really do that? And then, then as, you know, he keeps going. So, yeah, so that would probably be my second favorite kill of all of Fright School. Um, would that be that right there?
0: That makes that, me so
1: happy. Yeah. That fucking garbage pail monster baby thing (laughs) oh my lord and the whole like taking it out to like the park like it was just like what in the hell
0: (laughs) that's like one of my favorite scenes that park and it it was filmed i think last because he came in under budget and he he ain't left over because you know new zealand supports its Film and they had a you know, he received funding from the New Zealand Film Commission to make the film and he went and did that scene which I'm so happy it exists because uh, it, because it makes me laugh I mean
1: it's wild
0: I love seeing a baby be beat up
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Heather, I just please... wrote.
2: Children are scary as hell and <laughs> gross. Like this is why I don't have any. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Um, Heather, please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the the martial arts fight scene in the in the cemetery does the priest say something along the lines of like i'm an ass kicker for the lord
0: i kick ass for the lord, for the lord. i
2: kick ass for the lord thank that. you i was like i wrote that down too I'm like <laughs> really we need a t-shirt i was like we need a t-shirt that says i kick ass for the lord but like in that like new zealand like i kick, I ass, kick ass for ass the lord, the lord.
0: <laughs> exactly no it's uh the, I think the thing, especially when you see it in really big crowds, especially queer crowds, um, you get the everyone tense, thigh kick ass the Lord, everyone says, your mother ate my dog, and then not all of it, and then everyone has, yeah. you know, <laughs> no one will ever love you like your mother, as her monstrous womb literally opens up and swallows him whole.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, so, real quick, I, I and we always are like, oh, this will be quick, <laughs> um, but... No, um, I'm curious. So I watching this film, like I, and I, th- I feel like I saw a picture, like one in in your uh, presentation where this was in, like there was a picture of this, like a picture of Lionel included with some of the other queer, and I'm just wondering, like how the queer reading of this film, you know, cause you're talking about seeing it with queer audiences. And this is something that I feel like we've talked to lots of queer people about, and it's never come up. So I'm just wondering about your thoughts on the queerness of dead alive.
0: I think why also, would it appeal? I think it, well, I think it appeals basically because of something that Joe said. And, and let's be real, like Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. This is a straight couple, but this is a campy, campy over the top, excessive film. like, I think you, Joshua, had mentioned like you felt sorry for the actors because that must have been such a uncomfortable shoot. I mean, you literally see them slipping and sliding constantly in that last scene with like their 80 gallons of blood. And I think there's something to the audaciousness of creating something so ridiculously over the top that also is constantly speaking to something smarter underneath about the other. And yeah. whenever you talk about the other, that's, that's the beauty of being othered. And, there's, and there are so many different, like, with people's intersexual, like, intersectional realities, those others are come into play in different ways and at different times and in different contexts. But whenever you're dealing with the other, if you are an other, you can find yourself in there somehow. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, um. Sorry, Joe, looked like you were going to say something. Oh,
2: no, I was agreeing. I was like, yes, church, (laughs) church,
0: (laughs) yes. So I think for me, I am a human who believes that camp is a queer language. I believe that straight people have co-opted it and used it. I, you know, Peter Jackson is a straight person that's used it. I think that there's definitely something to be said for the camp of the GOP, except there's no joy to it. So I, I... Have a little bit of issue with. I'll say it differently. People are arguing about the camp of the GOP and how it's no longer a queer thing. And my argument is, there is a joy. We had it as a language, as a communication device for survival for a long time because we were relegated to the shadows. The GOP, there is a level of camp, but I don't. It has to have a new word created for it because it's lacking joy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a joyousness to the ridiculousness. And over, a top, over the top um, gore, I'd, like everything we talked about, like the number of like the amount of blood, pus, guts, skeletons, whatever you want to name, I, I can't think of a film that does it in a more joyful, campy way. And there, you know, and that's like, and I'm someone who I love the original Evil Dead. I love Evil Dead 2. There's lots of homages to the film, like the guy who takes a picture at the zoo, you know, like that one guy when like Vera smashes the, uh, mm-hmm. monk, the rat monkey and the guy takes a picture, that's Forrest Ackerman, who, I don't know if you guys know Forrest, but um, Forrest did the, created the famous monsters of film know. And, oh. and he used to have a, when I was, a long time ago, you could kind of find his house and it was kind of an impromptu museum. And you, oh, cool. The, I went to his house once. So, it's just a movie that has so much it the love of the horror the love of horror is clear in it. Like the baby itself is like a throwback nod to Larry Cohen's It's Alive from 74. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there's just like a love that's that when something also it's like a it's like another layer that's a less queer layer, but it's a layer that still speaks to queers because it's like someone who just love you you know Peter Jackson loves horror films because of the way he just makes these little cinematic citations throughout so Uh -uh. that's that's my not quick answer
2: (laughs) heather may if i may so you know peter jackson loves horror films and you saying that brings i want to get your thoughts on this is is it possible to be a horror film director or even very simply a person who loves horror films and 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 also be a person who um is homophobic is it possible to be is it possible to love is it possible to love um you know from speaking from an artistic standpoint is it possible to love horror to work in horror and to be someone who um who is homophobic but is it also possible to be a fan and be a person who like loves horror as a fan and is it and then be homophobic as well like oh, I, I mean, I'm absolutely. sure. It's, the I answer mean, like, is yes. Yes, I mean, like yes, yes, yes. we contain multitudes. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: I will just I call them the straight white horror bro. And I when I was when I first went away was this in college? When I was young, I was a teenager. I was actually like, actually still a teenager, and I went to my first, um, Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. And I remember walking into the space and having a incredibly visceral response of like I do not belong here. And it was it was actually genuinely heartbreaking because I was like when it's something that means so much to you and you feel like it's actually part of who you are in a way, like, like horror as a genre. Um, and then you realize that the most vocal, at least at that time, the most vocal fan base had constant misogyny, constant racism and constant homophobia. And I think that things are better. I think that queer horror fans, like, you know, going back to something that we said, I think in our last chat, um, I actually wrote this, and Joshua had brought this up. Robin Wood, a queer theorist, a queer critic, film critic, has a theory about the return of the repressed. And I am writing about how this whole movement for horror is queer, period, is an entire repressed community coming back to claim horror as its own. So those voices that are racist, are homophobic, are misogynistic, will be the minority and the and and there are plenty of straight people who are not homophobic not racist and not misogynist or at least not outwardly we all have it all malicious yeah, yeah yeah we all have it all all of us have it all built into <laughs> us no matter what no matter what you are we all have all of it built into us yeah so um yeah. there is space for those kinds of people too like, but i still think that those people we still relate to the genre the film the the Text in front of us. I still feel like we relate to it a little bit differently.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Did I
0: answer answer your question, Joe? Yeah,
2: it did. It did. Um, I, I, you know, I'm I'm surrounded right now by such you know queer horror goodness that I completely forgot that the bros exist. Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's important to remember they they totally exist and they still tend to dominate actually. And I think it's Mm -hmm. something really important to talk about, and it needs to be a bigger conversation about it because I have done. I think you were my uh, 13th, 14th interview. Um, Everyone talks about entering a space at some point in time and whatever it is that your personal intersect, every single person I'm talking to is queer. Whatever other others you carry with you, every single person has had an experience of walking into a mainstream horror space and being like, what the fuck? Come on, man. Seriously, white, straight horror bros, really? (laughs) So, and I think that that, definitely needs to, that era needs to come to a screeching halt, especially for a genre that deserves so much more. And it's a complicated genre because it's so easy for feminists to tear it apart. It hasn't been kind to women. It hasn't been kind to people of color. It hasn't been kind to queers. So it's a really weird thing to be, you know, two of those things and fight for a genre that I still think is transgressive and queer at its core. But I just want to see mm-hmm. I'm really interested in where we keep going. I want to see it keep pushing forward, pushing forward.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Uh yeah. I love all of it. Cause it is, you're you're a hundred percent right. It's sometimes, you know, and I've had those conversations with my friends who, you know, we're all very truly left <laughs> very politically left where it's like you know you call yourself a feminist and you love horror you say you're anti-racist and you love horror you say you know whatever you know you support. and it's like yeah because i see the potential and i see what has be- been said and what is there um you know and just because a bunch of assholes you know like anything white straight guys dominate you know they're gonna they, they're telling those stories but there's plenty of space for ours and they're then they're there you know so sometimes I'm packing it and talking about it or also and also broadening what horror means you know to people that also I think kind of opens minds about how it truly is functioning in 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 our art culture in so many ways that people just don't even think about, you know, they think they hear horror, they think, you know, splatter, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, you know, not that those films don't obviously have space and we can talk about them and and love them for all their flaws, you know, but it also is, you know, Silence of the Lambs and Hereditary and The Witch and things that are, and Suspiria, you know, that are speaking to these incredible conversations about feminism or about, you know, being, you know a woman or being queer or being you know a person of color being black so there's just so much space and like you said earlier it is the it is such a litmus test you, to to see where we're at in culture you know you pull a horror film from any year that it's produced And you could say, oh my gosh, this is what was happening that year. And the 10 years before it, you know, this is what that person was exposed to. And that's what they're talking about now. I mean, it's just, it's very, very incredible. And just so, I mean, we always like laugh, like, oh, we're going to run out of things to talk about on this show. And we just, we never do. There's always something more, you know, and especially having awesome guests like you come on and bring a movie that I would have never chosen. You know, I mean, just. Simply also because I I do get a little afraid of showing Joe stuff. That's a, a little really gory, <laughs> you know, like I'd like to do martyrs, but we're going to have to find that 30 minute made for TV cut of it in order for Joe to watch it. Cause it's, it's a different kind of gore, which that's the other thing. This is cartoonish. This is Looney Tunes. This is, this is camp. This is camp. Very camp yeah. where martyrs is very serious and it's a very serious exploration of, of, of you know, um, uh, capitalism and slavery and, you know, all of the sorts of like, you know, (laughs) destruction. If
0: if that day (laughs) comes, I want to be back. I want to, I want to like invoke my tenure and come back because I want to see (laughs) Joe's face after he's seen Martyrs. (laughs) I'm
1: just afraid it'll kill him. It almost killed me. It it was one of those
0: films. I didn't know anything about it going into it. Um, and I put it on. And it was like my mouth just kind of like kept opening more and more. And then like by the end of the film, it was just completely open. And I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I literally just went up, like put it like, you know, push play again and watch the whole thing over. Cause I actually could not believe what I had just seen. I do love it. I think it's one of my favorites. It is not an easy watch.
2: No. Yeah. Martyrs are are one of the, is one of three films at the very beginning of the podcast that Joshua was like, these are three films that I probably will not show you. What are the um, other two? The other two are Cannibal Holocaust and a Serbian film. Okay.
0: Um, Please stay away from those. Please <laughs> stay away from those.
2: and i'm like okay i'm and, and then i i just put it out of my mind as like okay well these are if if joshua is telling me that these are three films we will never um or at least definitely those two martyrs was kind of like mentioned in the same breath but not necessarily with that with that like hard and fast thing on it but like we did have our our um, inside, irrevers- you know, our inside episode didn't uh, was kind of like, like, how can Joe handle French, French extremity? Um,
1: and you did. No, you got through high
2: tension, you got through I, inside, l'interieur. Yeah. yeah, I was like, um.
0: That's I mean, a hard film. That's not like, that's not an easy film.
1: No, not at all. Yep. It was a great conversation. And, it's a great know,
2: Christmas film. I-
1: uh, and again, time like abjector, like you know that idea yeah. of like, yeah, Christmas, like this does not belong at Christmas time. It's lovely. Uh, okay, so we could talk. I mean, uh, this is uh, awesome. So we definitely want to have you back. Uh, you know, again, congrats on you know making it through school at all. <laughs> you know, and you know, getting to to work on this excellent uh, and ver- and you know novel. You know groundbreaking study of queer horror i can't wait to see what you uh what you produce from that and this was awesome talking about dead alive please you know we would love to have you back and talk about more more movies and more things we can scare joe with
0: (laughs) (laughs) never ever show him a serbian film
1: no it's it's not necessary there's lots to unpack but I think it, we can. Yes,
0: as far as horror goes, you can have an incredibly interesting conversation about it. I just never show it to Joe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> there's and no you, need. Joe. He deserves to keep some sweetness. Yeah. I your heart uh, is too pure. I don't know if I don't know if I've ever told Joshua this, but um, maybe like a year into this, I did Wikipedia summary, like read the plot synopsis of a Serbian film, and that was enough. That's all you need. That's and fine. that was more than enough actually to. Yeah. Um, you know
1: we have some other hardcore horror fans that that's the same they're like the wikipedia was enough just the pictures it gave me i didn't need to see it acted out you know Mm -hmm. so anyways well again thank you so much heather that was uh dead alive slash brain dead which i actually kind of like the brain dead title better because it just speaks even more to the uh stupidity of colonized, colonized thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's true.
1: Uh, but, you know, either way, lots of fun. Um, yeah, definitely recommend people check it out, you know, and sure, watch this and then watch Lord of the Rings. We'll <laughs> <Do a, laughs> <do a> compare, <laughs> compare, contrast. Well, watch
2: know? this and watch uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which won the Oscar. Like, watch yeah. that one. and no, the-, the same person.
0: Are you, either of you, like, the, the pinnacles were the dead-alive opening is it's like is it called the paths of the dead it's in lord of the rings that exact yes. location
2: i think it's in um i think it's in return of the king yeah. i think that's where um when aragorn goes to like get the army of the dead basically mm-hmm. yes i i like lord of the rings
0: <laughs> oh my my partner loves lord of the rings the fact the fact that i don't know exactly emphatically that it is paths of the death i'm probably gonna get some side look on that but <laughs> But you know, I I appreciate I do appreciate the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the time I saw them all in the theater. The Hobbits kind of garbage, but Peter Jackson to me will always be bad taste through heavenly creatures.
1: I love that. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for taking some time out of um, you know your aggregating data or whatever. <laughs> writing my
0: pandemic uh, life yeah right yes.
1: existential um I you see. know terror uh, <laughs> to 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 chat about a movie that you clearly love very much and uh we're so happy that you came and shared it with us so look forward to chatting again sometime very soon stay safe and healthy dear dear listener thank you as always for being here and giving us reason to keep talking <laughs> and joe i adore you And I hope this film doesn't give you, well, no, I do actually hope it gives you some nightmares, Um, but (laughs) (laughs) what else is new? Uh, But out of love.
2: (laughs) I'm going to go eat some pudding right now.
1: There you go. (laughs) Um, I I ate a big thing of meatballs and and like marinara with uh, mozzarella cheese afterwards. And I was just looking at it. (sighs) Uh. But I still ate it because that's, you know, me. Um, All right. Good night.